0: Hi, this is Pastor Wilson with Renewed Church OC. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Our series, You Are, is about reimagining church as we move into the Brea Civic Center. Our hope is to ask again, what does God want to see when his children gather? I'm pretty sure he's not looking for conversations and connection emotionally with a few kids while everyone else watches them. We're trying to create a culture where everyone is involved and encountering Jesus. You are the worship team. You are a priest. You are part of the body. You are a missionary.
1: Check, check. One, two.
0: All right, we're going to come back and um, sorry, I'm cutting you off three minutes early, but the clock also started three minutes late, so it should even out. Um, I remember stepping into the upstairs for the first time eight years ago, and it was like I was so grateful for the space. Uh, that gratefulness has diminished over eight years. but the first week, I was in love with the space because just a few just like those few weeks prior, we had envisioned launching our church at a neighboring church just down the way. but things fell apart, there was misunderstanding, there was raised voices. And basically, we were orphaned. And I remember we had spent thousands of hours trying to send out invitations and uh, bring people into our preview service. We sat in front of Facebook and pressed invite in our Facebook event 15,000 times. There was no invite all at the time. You just had to press the button. And we just did it on Friday nights over and over again. We texted our friends. We basically set up like a whole telemarketing campaign you know we had people group, grouped off and we offered gift cards if they texted enough friends it was a whole thing and um right before we were going to launch our first service we were homeless and i remember being an, like on the edge of a panic attack like looking down and being like should i have a panic attack i've never had one it seems appropriate you know we had no spot and uh my my intern Katie at the time looked up at me and she's like We're gonna be okay, right? And I was like, all right, I'll stay on this side. (laughs) And we just scoured the city for a location. And um, it was a catering venue at the time upstairs, and they rented to us. And it became our home, and it housed us, and we grew up here over the last eight years. So here's a photo of our first uh, Sunday. We had balloons, Nina's in the middle, Grace is in there, as well as Kim. And then the next picture is our first service. We had 330 people come through. It was our biz- biggest service ever. We never beat that. Um, my grandma came, my aunt came, You know, everyone was there. And uh, I'm really grateful for being able to like, birth a church and see a huge community celebrate that. We ran around the table at staff meeting and asked our staff, like, how has Renew formed us? What are, what are the ways that being in this space and growing up here, how has that defined our culture and our DNA? And then Becca summed it up really well. Uh, by the way, I'm hardcore paraphrasing our staff, so um, they, it's not verbatim. It's like the message version of the Bible. All right, it says, things about the things about the Meridian that agitated us were the same things that made us beautiful. So she had this, like, very um, profound metaphor of a of an oyster in the ocean and a bit of sand coming into it, agitating it, and then it... Callus, like building calluses around this piece of sand, making it a pearl. And all of our staff kind of went around and thought about what are the grains of sand that we sw- that we made into pearls. And so Nina said we pitched in and made an old gym and home. I like what the Meridian brought out in people. You know, when you walk in on Sundays, you look around and there's four basketball courts. It's not. It's not the church in a traditional sense, right? It's really easy to deconstruct this place. And every Sunday, we piece in our home together. We make this a family. And so the next two slot, uh, videos, this is uh, Z-Man moving a huge equipment. Um, he, him and, and Nate are moving a base. I think there's sound to that as well. He says, beep, beep. And then the next slide is, um, is our our boys pushing up a huge, like, cart up the hill. And I just really love Good how job, everyone pitch, pitches in to make this place happen. Like, from the little guys to our junior high and high schoolers forming their space outside, creating a dance studio out of a gym. And... Um, and then all of us who have moved like thousands of chairs into this room over eight years, putting together the stage, you know, coming in at 7:30 and then leaving at two o'clock in order to make this place a home. And I think that the Meridian has is this visual reminder that we need everyone to help us. Like it's not a set-up space; you can't just walk in and plug, plug in. We have to put down every chair, every instrument, every mic and all of you had made that happen. There's this deep sense of ownership here. Chrissy said, again paraphrase, when I look at the dead fish at the second floor, it made me marvel at how we created life at the Meridian. You see that contrast? Um, it was an open canvas for us to create on. So when you used to walk into the second floor, there's this like little hallway after you're greeted by smiles from the host team, there's this really, like, terrible tank filled with green water and (laughs) and growth it's like evolution on display and then every week we walk in and we see this fish and we're like it's still alive and then one day it was sleeping Um, (laughs) and it never woke up again and I think that's a a great mascot for this gym like It's just dying. This whole place is dying. You know, something might fall on you today. And, you know, it's just a, a gym that, that looks like a dead fish. But we created so much life here. And it became a space that, that we made beautiful, that we uh, cultivated, like, Good Friday service and, and all these different things. Like, we made life in a dead space. It was honestly amazing to see our church come together during that time. Man, we put up projectors and hit the side of the building, and it was like half the building was um, the lyrics and the screen. And then we figured out shortwave radio, Kenan did, and we were pushing our audio into the different cars. Nina brought us Stonefire Grill. And we came together in really beautiful ways to create and make life in this space represented by a dead fish. Um, Kevin said, I hated picking up broken glass and cigarette buds, but the rat poop helped me focus on the right things. (laughs) So Kevin was just kind of talking about, man, this space sucks. Like when he first came in, we are like sweeping glass out the floor. It's really embarrassing. But I remember our first Easter egg hunt where we sent the kids up to the top floor to pick out eggs. And they're, like, navigating around the broken glass in order to get their plastic egg. And I'm like, we really should have swept up this place, you know. And, um, and we were all sweeping. We were all sweeping up random things. But the rap hoop was us being on the second floor. There's a storage room. And we're setting up for church to restart. Uh, we were finally able to go back in person. We gave time for everyone to get the vaccine. And a rat had burrowed into our communion box and made a hole, And so that was not good. And there was just poop everywhere. And most of it was, like, above us. So as we're trying to, like, it was, like, raining. But for Kevin, he said all these things that used to annoy him. And as the rat poop was, you know, we were protecting our eyes from it. He was like, I, I love being back here. I love being back here because I get to see my family again. It's worth it to be able to sing again. I can't wait to hear God's word again together. And over the course of our eight years, I think the Meridian made us focus on the most important reasons of coming together. No one's here to get a great Instagram shot, right? No one's standing next to the dead fish, like, look at me at church. Like, when we come on Sundays, we know why we're here. We're not distracted by fog machines and lasers. We're here because we want to worship and hear God's word. We want to be family. And this space just kind of says that. It screams it. And if anyone's deconstructing church, this is like a perfect place to do it. Because you just look around you and they're like, oh, that's a curtain. That's a crappy stage. This is like, um, you know, it's, it's like the whole thing is already deconstructed for you, and you're just remembering. We're always remembering why we're here because of the space we're in. Erwin says, I want us to keep our grit and always be down to worship God in 100 degrees. And so the next photo is me and Jenna. Um, I just remember uh, a Sunday where we were, like, limping into the church. Both of us are in crutches. And she's like still putting down chairs and putting together um, the corner um, baby area. And like those are my sweetest moments of service Um, is actually before it even starts. Looking around and seeing people own this church um, and, and work to make this church happen. You know, I thought about just a few weeks ago we had this massive heat wave and it reminded us why we wanted to move But it also reminded us why this church is beautiful. Because as Ben's struggling to, like, should we really sing one more song, you know? Because everyone's about to pass out and we're all dehydrated and a little bit, like, lightheaded. Everyone's like, one more song! And then we we sang in the middle of of it being uncomfortable. And there's not a lot of people, you know, that are willing to do that. Dave, um, his quote was, I've always wanted to move to the Bray Civic Center. <laughs> like, Dave, what, what will you miss about the Meridian? I've always wanted to move to the Bray Civic Center. Now, he did actually say that. <laughs> Dave, look at Dave. Victory. We won, Dave. He shared, like, a really kind story of when he first came and how he thought this place would grow. But in this heart of hearts, in his heart of hearts, this was what, what uh, he screamed at me for, <laughs> for many years. And I remember we, um, when we were considering the Breda Civic Center, it actually came up about six, to, six months ago, uh, before summer. And I wasn't sure I wanted it. Me and Dave would talk back and forth about the pros and cons. And I was like, no, Dave, I'm going to spend thousands of dollars on these massive fans. And we're going to turn them on. And as advertised, our, our, it will go from 90 to 75. My vision was that in the middle of a heat wave, we would turn on the fan, and like Lucy would be like, "It's too cold, turn it off." And I'm like, "No, Lucy, it's perfect." You know, like people would complain it's too cold because, like, eight thousand dollars later, right? And instead of it being cool, we just made heat wet. <laughs> we traded it out like like uh, California summers for Taiwan falls, and so uh, that happened. My my vision didn't come true and also the place went into escrow. But even as we were considering moving or considering staying despite everything, I was thinking about how, we, how this space has always shaped us. And as a staff, people who downloaded moving the 5%, and even some of us who want to move, there's this concern of, will we go from creativity to comfort? Will we go from worshiping and sweating to like just kind of being lazy in our chairs? Will we go from a place where we're taking risks to a place where we just kind of become passive? Will we go from owners to to customers? And I think that's my challenge for us as we move to Brea. That I have a vision for our community where we actually own more of Renew. Where we create more boldly, where we keep our grit and we focus on Jesus. That all the ways in which this space has made us, I believe that God's going to cultivate even deeper in Brea. So today we're going to look at Psalms 150, and the invitation is that all of us would join the worship team as we move into Brea next Sunday, because we have an audience of one. Psalms 150, verse one to two says, "Praise the Lord." Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in in mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Now look at the focal point of worship, right? It's, It's not us, it's God. It says him, Lord, God, over and over again. Maybe those are half the words in these five lines. The focus is completely on him. The focus is on his acts of power. The way that he's moved throughout history and in our lives. That as we worship, we remember what he's done. But we also remember who he is. We're praising him for his surpassing greatness. His character. The immutable parts of who he is. That he is love. That he is righteous. That he is kind. And in worship, we put our eyes on those things. And then I love the relationship between his sanctuary and his mighty heavens. And the way I think about it is that we have always been called to gather as believers to worship him. From the creation of Judaism, they've always gathered on the Sabbath to sing and to hear God's word. From the early church, the first time they met, they sang together. And and this singing... And gathering the sanctuary with his people on his day is really to be a reflection of heaven. It's really us gathering as a foreshadow of when we are at his throne, every people, every tongue wrapped around him in worship, him as the focal point. What we do on Sundays is to be a mirror of what's been done in heaven for all eternity. God is the audience, and we are the worship team. And so in Psalms 150, verse 6, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What it's saying is that all of us are the worship team members. We have an audience of one, and we get to worship God for as long as we are able to breathe. One of the quotes that uh, Kevin pulled is that we are returning God's breath breath of life to us in worship, that God breathes life, life into us. And as we worship him, as we excel, exhale and praise him, we, we are returning that breath to him in our worship. Um, and so when we, we're really thinking about what it looks like to recreate a space where everyone is a part of the worship team and we're worshiping God. You know, I think about um, being in fifth grade again, and I was at a Christian school for, the, for fifth grade all the way through junior high, and there was this kid that would go to chapel uh, with me because we're in the same class, and I remember in fifth grade, he kind of stuck out his chest at worship and would just sing his lungs out, you know? Every note, every word, he sang as loud as he could as if no one was even around, And it didn't matter if he hit the note or not, if he missed a word, he would just sing loudly. And then in sixth grade, I remember him looking around, and there were less people singing. More people were self-aware and self-conscious, so he sang a little softer. In seventh grade, someone made fun of him, so he sang a little softer. In eighth grade, he stopped singing altogether. That kid was me. Wait, no, that kid was Moses. But but it's kind of all of us, right? That kid is kind of all of us. Where we, we, instead of just worshiping God and just having our eyes to him, we started looking around. We started being self-conscious. And for many of us, we've stopped singing. But what does it look like to sing with just our eyes on the Lord? Like a kid dancing before his father, completely unabashed. I think one of my favorite worship experiences was in this lounge in L.A. I was, like, 20s at the time. We walked in like we owned the place. I'm pretty sure I was with the girl I was dating, but I don't even remember her name. I don't remember anything about her. I'm married now, right? Just, she's like a ghost. She's just a, a, a mist of a memory. Maybe it was a guy. I don't know. So anyways, me and my friend, we're, we're walking into this lounge, and um, it is, like, a hip spot. Everyone's dressed in the nines. The guys are talking to the gals. The gals are talking to the guys. We all have our chest up. I remember sitting down, uh, enjoying a really fancy cocktail. And there was a DJ playing in the corner. And it was pretty ignorable, you know. There was no dance floor. It wasn't a club. We were just hanging out. And um, all of a sudden, he, he pumps the music a little bit. And he drops a totally different beat that we've never heard. It's like a tribal, like a tribal bass on top of this EDM line, and then I remember his friend opening up his saxophone case, standing next to him, and just dropping bars, just dropping bars on top of this like EDM tribal thing. We all turned around. People were nodding their heads. People were just like grooving to the music. Everyone stopped talking. And then it was like someone said, get up and move stuff. Because it felt like in three seconds all of us stood up and we cleared the room of chairs and tables and couches. Like, we literally moved everything to the walls and started dancing. It was an incredible moment. We're, we're people in their 20s who, are, who can be so, uh, for me, like, focused on myself, um, self-conscious, looking around and judging people around me. We all lost ourselves in the music. We all took our eyes off of ourselves and each other and this music drew us in and we just moved to it and I thought man what does it look like for worship to draw us in where we forget about ourselves we forget about the people around us and we're fixated on God and it's just all about singing to him And if you've ever been a part of a sports team or a a huge fan just kind of fixated on the win, those moments, like, bring you to the space where even though you've forgotten about yourself and the other person, because you're so drawn in together in this other thing, it actually creates this bond between you and all the other people around you. Man, I hope that worship can look like that. I hope that, that we can worship focused on God and forgetting about ourselves and each other. That we're not listening or looking around us. But we're just all looking up and all being drawn closer to each other. And then lastly in Psalms 150, um, it talks about how we worship. Worship him with the sounding of the trumpet. Worship him with the harp and lyre. Worship him with the timbre and dancing. Worship him with strings and pipes. Worship him with the clashing of cymbals. Worship him with resounding cymbals. And I think about um, these lines and the way it's phrased and said. There's just this command over and over again to, like, be at a five-year-old birthday party. You know, there's this joy. It's loud. It's fun. It's engaged that everyone is fully giving themselves to worship. No one's laid back. No one's looking around. Everyone is celebrating God. It it brings me back to David bringing the ark into Jerusalem. And he just dances. He is the king, but but instead of retaining his dignity, he sheds it. And he's dancing unashamed across the street, worshiping the true king. And he calls the nation to that kind of worship. And when he's criticized by his wife, he says, I'll be even more unashamed than this, right? What does that kind of worship look like for our community? And the next slide is um, the setup for the Curtis Theater. So there's this, if you uh, tour it with me, there's this large sloped area where everyone's uh, where's everyone seated, about 200 seats. And then there's this massive stage. And I think... That's how most churches are set up, that's how we're set up now, but it's easy to communicate that there's a worship team and there's an audience right in the next slide and and there's a separation. The worship team is in charge of singing to the Lord, and the audience is kind of like, you know, we'll show up, we'll sing the lines we want to we'll we'll drop." We'll drop in and out. And we're asking, like, do I like her voice? Is this a song I'm into? Why aren't they playing this other song? Because it's a rock concert. And and we're the audience. And we want to make sure that the worship is to our liking. But we want to create a space that looks like a theology where we're all gathering around to worship God. Where we're all invited to the worship team. And we're worshiping And focused on the Lord. And so on the stage next Sunday, um, we're inviting you to join the worship team. And we want our stage and our space to embody this theology. And so again, that's the slope section of uh, the seating. But we're going to put about half of the chairs on stage. We're shooting for about 70 to 80 chairs on stage, and eventually 100. Because if we walked into Brea Theater right now, we would have to go to two services right away. It's like shoulder to shoulder seating. And we would fill that thing up. But in order to extend the life of our one service, and really to give another vision for what worship could be, we want to set up the stage for half of our church to be a part of the worship team there. And then we're opening up a massive area in the middle and our desire is that like 50 to 70 people would fill this open space and sing right next to the worship team. The worship team is going to be on stage, right? They're going to sing kind of in a circle with each other. And we want to set up like a living room environment where all of us, again, are owning that we are part of the worship team. And we would stand around uh, the worship leaders and sing. It's this homey, intimate Environment, but it's also an environment where we're all we're all invited to join the worship team um, and to worship our God. You know, I, I'm hoping that every Sunday we'll break that fourth wall between the worship team and the audience. Every Sunday we'll break this space where it's like here's the worship leaders and here's everyone else, but that everyone's invited to uh, participate. So I have a Maverick City music video. It's about um, a minute and a half long to two minutes. And it's basically the vision of what I want our community to be called into. So we'll play that video and I'll come back up and we'll close out our sermon. Uh, Singing a lot of Maverick City songs. And this is pretty much every music video they do. Um, and I love that they're drawing from their black roots when it comes to gospel music. And I, I share, I think the thing I love about singing songs from different ethnic groups is that there's different ethnic stories. And the words that come out of um, their worship songs represent their history, represents what they've gone through. And, and some, of our, some of the parts of our lives uh, intersect with their story as well and we can sing alongside of them with that type of depth. I was a part of um, a gospel choir at UCI, and and loved my experience there, and loved hearing about uh, black gospel music and its roots. And so our, our instructor was telling us, our music director, and it was like fully Christian, like Christian songs, Christian testimonies, it was amazing at UCI. And she was saying that um, a lot of African American history is is them becoming Christian while they were slaves. And many of them, almost all of them, were illiterate. They didn't have the opportunity to learn how to read. And so the worship would have no lyrics, of course, um, in terms of visually. There is no hymn books. One person would sing and everyone else would repeat. One person would sing and everyone else would sing. And there was this ingrained responsibility in every, every person who showed up to be on the worship team. That as one person sang, everyone else would sing with them. And when I look at Maverick City, they, they bring that into their value as a worship team. Every music video is them singing it around in a circle and people coming around them. And if you buy their merchandise, one of the T-shirts they have is, it just says Maverick City in the front. And in the back it says worship team. And basically, what they're saying is we have we don't have a fan we don't have fans we don't have audience members we just invite people to join our worship team. And so this Sunday, that's my invitation to you as uh, if you're a part of our church family. You know, we've we come in expecting to participate, and that's like my favorite part of the church that we expect to share our stories, we expect to pray for each other, and I hope that starting next Sunday you would expect to lead worship and to be a part of the worship team, that it would be, um, it's already who you are. It's already what you're called to, but I just want to call it out of you. So here are the four ways, or four maybe asks and responsibilities um, as you consider being a part of the worship team. So I would love for you to pull out your phones and get on that QR code. I have a Google form, and I'm asking you to fill it out to join our worship team this Sunday, yeah? And then I'll kind of walk through some of the responsibilities of being on the worship team, okay? So the first one is to give your best worship to the Lord. That when we come in, are we saying, I'm a part of the worship team, and I'm giving my best worship to God? Or are we an audience member? And our best worship doesn't need to look energetic. We don't necessarily need to clap and dance We can worship God no matter where we are. We can worship God in trial. We can worship God in sorrow in the valleys. And we can worship God dancing. We could give God all of us in, in in a really authentic space. But are we coming in focused on him and saying that my job this morning is to be a part of the worship team and to give my best worship to the Lord. And I want to give you permission to do that in your space. Because I, I know I came from, uh, I was at a church in Singapore, very high conformity. And um, they have one kind of vision of worship. And I remember being in small group. And the guitarist is doing this, like really smiling, trying to get everyone to clap. And I'm not feeling it, right? I'm like working through depression and stuff. But I was sitting there fully engaged with the Lord. Fully focused on, on worshiping in the middle of going through stuff. And he was mad that I wasn't clapping, you know. I'm like, that's not where I'm at. So when I say giving your best worship to the Lord, I'm asking you to give your best worship in your doubt, in your struggle, and in your celebration. The second one is to show up on time. So if you're a part of a worship team, like I remember Lydia, whom we love, whom we love, she's like our rock star drummer, right. And a few Sundays ago, Ben's about to start. He welcomes everyone, looks back, and Lydia's not there. You know, she's just, like, somewhere in the meridian. And so we're, like, running around to find her, and Ben's starting worship, and he's like, I guess we'll sing I Love You, Lord, you know, because no drums required. And then she runs in, and we, and we lead worship. Uh, we go into worship. And we were missing 20% of our band, and it affected us. But every Sunday when we start... I'd say we're missing like 80% of our worship team and it makes a difference. There's a massive difference if we say, hey, all of us are going to come in with the responsibility of being on the worship team and our worship team comes at 8.30. I'm asking you to come in at 10. We're going to start at 10.10. And And I'm hoping that we would just kind of fill the stage first. So if you come in at 10 o'clock, we have 10 minutes, just get comfortable. Like walk the stage. I know for some of us, like we've never been on stage before. It feels very exposing. But if half of our church is on stage, I think it can feel like home. I think it could feel like a really intimate uh, living room where you're worshiping and you forget about the people around you. So my hope is that we'll fill the stage from... From the back of the stage to through the audience, uh, through the uh, slope seating area, from the front of that upward. And that our worship team uh, leaders would be surrounded by a 50, 60, 70 person worship team. a, A choir around them singing worship to the Lord. And again, I know that not all of us can be on stage and feel like you can authentically worship the Lord. Like, you feel exposed sitting in the back row, you know? You're like, you're like uncomfortable here. And uh, again, I just want to give you permission. Maybe maybe take five five rows up, you know? Uh, maybe sit in the back because that's the space you need to engage with the Lord. So I, I want to give you permission, but I hope that most of us on most Sundays would just kind of own that stage area and make it our living room and be a space where we are representing our worship philosophy, uh, physically, that physically, we're, 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 what we're communicating to each other, what we're trying to remember before the Lord, is that we're all on the worship team, and we're taking that responsibility to give our best worship to the Lord. And lastly, we've set up um, a Spotify because <laughs> we're gonna we're continuing to push our worship forward. Um, I don't. Ben doesn't want to be a church where someone walks in and they're like, oh, they're a 90s church, you know? They're singing, they're singing um, Shout to the Lord, every song, right? So, or like they're from the early 2000s, uh, Heart of Worship, like that's the whole genre. We're hoping to continue to move uh, worship forward, to sing songs from hymns all the way to songs that are written for our time for this generation. And so we set up a, uh, a Spotify, you can just check it out, Renew Church OC, there's also a link. And it's, it's going to have the sets for the next month. And as a part of the worship team, I just want to invite you to practice the songs, to sing it, to sing them while you're washing dishes, while you're on commute, and to come in ready to engage with the lyrics. You know, we're on the worship team, whether, um, whether we remember that or not. We're, we're never the audience, God always is. And I hope that we could just kind of carry that responsibility, the, the calling and the responsibility we already have um, into Sundays. All creation is responsible for worship. That's why we were made. The angels worship for all eternity. Jesus is gathering the nations to get on their knees and worship him. When we worship, we're tasting heaven. We're participating in eternity. I think about how God sees our worship this morning. Not just our church, but churches around the world, across space, right? In his eye, in heaven, he's gathered all of us in front of him. And we're all singing together, but in different languages. We're singing together, but... We're using the same words but with different stories and nuance and facets because of how he's intervened in our life. We gather in musty gyms. We gather in cathedrals. We're gathering in house churches whispering words so we aren't caught. We're gathering around big oak trees to get some shade from the sun. We're gathering young and old in every continent and we're worshiping the Lord. And I hope that our church can join that course. I hope that every Sunday when Jesus sees part of, a part of the new kingdom, that he'll see us worshiping him. God, we just thank you so much for this morning. For how you've called us all to worship. And Lord, I pray that this Sunday we would all take on that call. That the same responsibilities our worship team walks in with, our worship leaders walk in with, that we would take on those responsibilities as well. To be a worship team around each other with our eyes and our ears and our hearts on you. And that as we all abandon ourselves towards you, and as we all abandon ourselves together, that we would feel our hearts Move in as we gather around your throne to worship. We're going to take communion this morning. I'm going to invite our team up. And um, we remember how, why and how we get to worship the Lord. That Jesus, um, his body was broken for us to forgive us. And his blood was shed for us. And instead of standing before the Lord... And before judgment, we stand before him, singing and soaking in his glory. The glory and holiness of God doesn't melt us or condemn us or push us away. Because of his blood and body, we get to stand in front of the heavens in front of the Lord and worship him. It's the greatest privilege and the greatest purpose of all his created beings is to worship him. Let's take communion together this morning. This is his his body broken for you. This is his blood shed for you. Whether you filled out that form or not, I just want to invite all of us into the worship team right now. What does that look like for you to stand before the Lord and to give Him worship? And so as our team comes up, just remember that you're a part of it and you're invited in uh, to join them.
1: Hi, this is Pastor Wilson again. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If our sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to consider supporting our church and ministry. As we approach the end of the year, we're asking our church family to consider investing into a special fund that supports our interns and seminarians. Renew has a vision of investing in pastors for the next generation through our internship program and your financial partnership can help set up a young pastor or missionary, to faithfully serve the Lord for the next 30 to 40 years. I often dream about what Erwin or Kevin will do for the kingdom of God through their 30s, 40s, and 60s. Our goal is to raise $50,000 over the season. Would you consider joining us? You can give through PayPal or Venmo or by sending a check. All the information is on the description section of the podcast. Or you can visit our website. And your investment is tax-deductible. Thank you so much for being a part of our church family. If you're ever in the Fullerton, California area, please drop by into our Sunday service. I'd love to meet you. God bless.